Barbarian Podcast. Coming at you from the man cave following a workout. Uh, Billy's not here today. He's helping his brother move. So it's just me, Taryn, and Strem over there. Howdy. <clears throat> so uh, figured we'll deviate from the last couple episodes have been just kind of general bullshit sessions um, between the three of us. Since Billy's not here, um, figured we'd talk about kind of the origin of our name, the origin of the Moraine Barbarian name, how we came up with that, and I guess talk a little bit about kind of the goal of this podcast too, kind of reiterate that. Um, yeah, I don't know, go ahead, why don't you start with the name? What's a Moraine for folks that don't know? Yeah, that's probably the biggest question. What the, what the fuck's a Moraine? Well, a Moraine is a geographical feature. It's basically a hill of rocks and sand that um, was left over when the glaciers melted on North America. Like, there was like a mile-thick ice sheet over most of North America during one of the several ice ages. And um, there's like a line across the Midwestern states where like the edge of that ice was. And then when it um, retreated each time... It left a ridge line that, like, one of the geographical features in that is a moraine. And so, um, that's, like, the main geographical feature where we live. We live on one. But, I mean, it sounds like it, you could be like, what's the significance of that? But it's like, um, you could say it for anything. Like, what's the significance of it? And it's kind of up to you to put meaning into it. And so, like, a moraine, when you really think about it, like, one of the benefits is, um, since this is like the main or biggest geographical feature in the state of Wisconsin, for instance, like in the northern part, like in the southern Wisconsin, there's the Driftless region, but in like northern Wisconsin, the moraine or this ice age like remnant, the tracks of the glaciers is um, kind of directs the water flow on the surface of the ground and groundwater. So, like, pretty much from the this moraine in Wisconsin, on the east side of it, it flows towards Lake Michigan, and on the west side of it, it flows towards the Mississippi River. So it's a pretty big divide for the water. So it's, it's basically the headwaters of Wisconsin, or the, at least for the groundwater. So that's important. Um, the main resource there is rocks. So, I mean, rocks, we use them to work out. You can use them to build. You Like, they're a son of a bitch when you're trying to dig. Like, it's basically expected that when you dig a hole around here, basically half of the hole will be dirt and half of the hole will be rocks or more. So, it's basically just pulling rocks and digging it out. as. So, it's, it's a bitch. So, I mean... That just breeds a, a hard mentality, you know, like, mentally tough. You're just dealing with fucking rocks all the time. Yeah, when my boss was building this house over at Amherst Junction, which is not too far from here, um, they underbid their uh, excavation budget by a significant amount. I don't remember what, exactly what it was, but they just did not expect to have to spend so much time and use so much equipment to get so many large boulders out of the way. I think there was one even that was too big. They just had to dig a hole next to it and push it over and just, like, move Buried it that way. Yeah. <laughs> just push it somewhere slightly different. Yeah. 
Well, you, yeah, you were you were out there. We were chopping wood that one day, so you saw Giant all, all those rocks. Out yeah, there. those are all dug up from when they were building this foundation. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, huge rocks. Who knows, like what friggin' monoliths created by people were ground underneath the ice sheet? But that's like, yeah, all the rocks picked up by the glacier were dumped here <laughs> and spread out from here. So, Moraine, barbarians. Well, do you want to talk about the message you received from a friend? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't have to do with our name, but um, going back to what we're trying to accomplish with the podcast, um, the answer I gave him was... Uh, well, first, what was the question? Oh, sorry, yeah, what are you trying to accomplish through the podcast was the question. And uh, the answer I gave was that... Um, Basically, just a entertaining, educational, and at times thought-provoking um, podcast. You know, just to have our the conversations we were having already without recording them, but just figure we'd put them out there for more people who were like-minded. Anybody else that wanted to get in on that conversation, or anybody that you know shared similar interests and um, was interested, or I don't know. About this lifestyle, you know, or somebody that was that wanted to get into this lifestyle where we are kind of part meathead gym rat, part hippie, and part fucking guru. Like, you know, we get into all kinds of... Part tactical, like, military veterans, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, outdoorsmen and, yeah, well-rounded people, but, um, yeah, varying interests and... Yeah, basically put that out there. Open-minded, like, that's a big thing. Yeah, psychedelics help with that. That was, um, yeah, that was a big, I guess that was just the, the big three, is just have, you know, put out a podcast that's entertaining, can be a little educational, and, um, yeah, thought-provoking, I think was the best way to put it, where some of the things we discuss, I've, I guess so far we've only had a few episodes, and maybe the craziest thing we discussed was the, uh, singularity stuff, but, um... Well, the ruins, too. I mean, that, that'll get your gears turning, but, um, yeah, just put it out there for people who just needed something something to listen to, and you can, get, you can get a little bit out of, a little bit of knowledge out of that. You can take some of this stuff to your own meditation sessions, or you can start, you know, start meditating, or start working out, or doing yeah. some of the things that we talk about doing. Well, I think a lot of these things kind of apply to a general mindset, so that brings me back to the rest of our name, Barbarians. What's a barbarian? Someone, like, traditionally you'd think of a barbarian as someone's uncultured, savage, brutish, unsophisticated, something like that. But I'm saying think barbarian more Conan the Barbarian, where he basically... It's the same mindset as people who are, want to live organic and plastic-free and homestead today. Just basically a separation from the decadences and poisons and comforts of society that soften you and weaken you and separate you from other people. And it's basically just... <clears throat> it's basically just living on the fringes of that in a more austere setting where you are more accustomed to the wild and natural way of living <coughs> than the culturally imposed way of civilization. And I mean, but still 
partaking of the benefits of certain benefits of civilization. Think of it like the Amish, where they basically accept something that strengthens their community. So community is their number one value, and every time they're confronted with something, they think if it benefits their community or if it'll harm their community by them using it. So everything's evaluated on that. And that's kind of the strict code they live their culture by. And they have super tight-knit communities, and they're all happy. And I feel like you can build that with any type of culture in a way that you just think of things as how they can benefit you, accept what benefits you, and disregard or dispose of what does what harms you or what does not benefit you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what how you were saying with your kid. You know, you were looking at, is this just a convenience for us as parents, or is this genuinely going to enrich my child's, you know, experience? <clears throat> and, yeah, I agree. We try and think about that with all aspects of our lives. Is this something that is going to improve my life, or is this something that's just there to make me easy, you know, make it easier? Something that's just going to basically make me lazier and get me further away from, I guess, the the roots or the origins of whatever the task at hand may be. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know, like a lighter? Like, yeah, yeah like I'm not going to not use a lighter, but we still know how to build a fire without a lighter. Like, Well, that's to... the thing in certain, you can build ritual and make things have significance. So, for instance, when we work out, if we have a fire, which we just didn't today, I mean, didn't really need as warm out. But normally we start it with um, ferro rod and, and a knife, and um, we could use a lighter, but we just like to practice starting it that way. So, because that's what we do when we camp, you know. Yeah, yeah. Lighter was a weird example, but just yeah, I don't know anything that I don't know like backup cameras and cars. Like people crash into shit all the time trying to use those because it's not as good as your mirrors, and it's just something that's sort of you're relying like, too much coddling on something. your mind and. Yeah, like, kind of... Well, or the people who, once they've had a backup camera, they can't drive a car without a backup camera. Yeah, like, stuff like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something that's just, yeah, holding you back and, you know, hurting you in the long run, hindering you. It'll shackle you. Yeah. Civilization is basically a cage you build around yourself with culture and the society you live in. And it's fragile, and that was... Yeah, I guess that takes us all the way back to the origins last March where we were like, hey, like, we need to be more independent and we need to start becoming more knowledgeable and just even practical skills and survival skills and tactical knowledge and learning about ourselves mastering our minds absolutely and then exploring different frameworks for that because I mean we don't just stick to one thing really intently we kind of explore different possibilities and patch together our own like mentality and mindset from everything we can find which is something that i feel feels important that you constantly have to be searching to improve your perspective oh yeah yeah it's really important i guess over the last year or so because i feel you know so different i look on so many things is so different including myself you know i went to therapy for a few months and got a really good handle on my anxiety and I mean coupled that with um, psilocybin and a lot of ritual lot, runes. well yeah the runes a lot of um, 
I don't know, a lot of different like podcasts, mental health stuff, meditation really, the Wim Hof breathing, all that kind of stuff has really changed me, and yeah, I feel so different, so it's like, I don't know if I brought this up before on the podcast, but um, I have to like re-examine my opinions, because if I had them and I formed them even more than a year ago, it might be different. Definitely you know, would like, be different. Like, remember, we brought, I think I, maybe we did talk about it. We brought up that one guy from high school and saw his dad, and you were just like, oh, yeah, fuck that fucking guy. And I was like, <laughs> dude, like, you're never, like, why are you so fucking, like, angry, man? You're, I, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I haven't thought about him since high school, and that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, seriously, it was really weird that... Um, immediately. <laughs> immediately, I felt, like, the toxic, caustic emotions... Of, like, a young adolescent guy, like, oh, fuck that bitch, like, yeah. like you know, like, just visceral, whereas I do not feel that normally in my day-to-day life, no. so it's like, for someone to just bring that up so instantly, it's like, wow, the memory was up back then, it still had that, like, tinge on it. Yeah, yeah, you're, like, the most patient person I know, and most people would agree with that, I think, and, yeah, to just see you immediately, <laughs> that was so crazy. Well, and I caught myself doing it, uh... Two podcasts ago, one podcast ago, when we were talking about Germany, and I was like, "Yeah, your wife drags you to those fucking castles," and you're like, "Sounds kind of fun." And I was like, "You fuck walking around a castle all day," but I was like, "Yeah, that was when I was like 20, 21, and I was like, "You fuck walking around a castle all day with your <laughs> wife." That sounds like a fucking drag, but it, yeah. Before like, I, I like thought about, it, I was like, "No, I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, you could really appreciate that. Like, like they fucking built that so long ago, like hundreds, work. yeah, hundreds of years ago. Like, how do they carve these? You where could they get see these all, like the from? tactical, like strategic points of its like design." Yeah. Yeah, it would be a lot more interesting these days. But, yeah, it was just funny because, yeah, last time I thought about that shit, I was like, dude, fuck that. Like, you fuck, the old lady drags you, the old ball and chain drags you along, makes you do dumb <laughs> shit. That's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm interested serious. in this, so we both have to go. <laughs> yeah, that's one mindset of it, I guess. <laughs> but that's the thing, it's like, yeah. Constantly evaluating your mindset. Oh, and before I forget, I just want to say to all you out there who've listened to the past episodes, which if you haven't, please do. I mean, I think our episodes are getting slightly better each time, but the past ones are still good, I'd say. But I say like a lot, and trust me, when I hear myself (laughs) saying like basically every other word in a long string... I want to, like, go back in time and, like, throat chop myself. So, (laughs) it frustrates me more than anybody, I hope. But, I mean, I'm sure it does. But you guys all can witness the process of being conscious, you know? Like, I'm going to try to make myself more conscious of when I say like. And, I mean, Terrence probably going to help me by giving me shit if I fuck up. (laughs) And so, yeah, basically going to try to... Be conscious of my speech. Hell yeah. My thing is you know. I say you know a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so I told Kyla about that. I was like, yo, he, like, Strem, Strem says like a lot. <laughs> and she was thinking, like, it wouldn't, it was going to be, like, kind of, like, whatever. And then she listened to it, she's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost distracting. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So, it's okay, man. We're not, we're, we're not pros. Yeah, seriously. You know, we're not pro. <laughs> I'm, gr- I'm growing as a person and a podcaster. Yeah, it's just it's like any skill. That's that's an important message too. It's like, like, uh, <laughs> any skill that you want to have, it's really just about repetition and persistence. Just have just being disciplined enough to practice the skill enough, 
and it builds. You just get anywhere. I mean, that's all the greatest athletes of all time. That's just all. It's just dedication that and discipline. They're just think, always working. That makes me think of grit. You read the book on grit, so you should like. Does that like kind of fit along those lines? Yeah, the, so they were, I, I actually only started it, it might only be a chapter or two uh-huh. into it, but uh, yeah, Angela Duckworth, Grit, <coughs> she um, was an army officer, so she went through uh, West Point, and so she was talking about how they uh, wanted to do all these studies to figure out how to screen for candidates, so that way they could just not admit people who weren't going to make, you know what I mean, to pre-screen people um, a certain way, there was a certain test they could do to figure out if these people were likely or not to graduate, so they didn't waste their time on them, <clears throat> and uh, they found that they really couldn't find any one thing, they had them write paragraphs, they had them, they did like certain experiments where, like they, with the paragraphs thing, or a story or whatever, they had them write like a story or a paragraph, whatever it was. Um, and the idea was that, like, like, damn it, <clears throat> the idea was that people who were going to be good candidates, who were going to graduate from West Point, would write stories of them being, like, heroic or something, you know, demonstrating some sort of quality, you know. Innate quality that they're oh, just ingrained in? Yeah, something like that, but no, there was no correlation with anything. They would write a story about nothing, or they'd write a story about them being a hero, it didn't... And they'd fail. There was no, yeah, there was no correlation. <laughs> and, like, <clears throat> like, the only thing they could find, it was just, like, persistence. But they couldn't really figure out how to test for that, or maybe they did. I don't remember now, now that I said that out loud. Well, but, on uh, reading a quarter of the book, I'm sure she explained it in the latter parts of the yeah. book. But the most important quality was just grit, and that was what they were finding with, like, anything. I mean, think about, like, buds or Navy SEALs. Like, that's what they all say is all you really needed to do was just... Not quit, you know? Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I think that's an okay one. Every once in a while, <laughs> sprinkle it in. Yeah. I'll use it sparingly. Um, Ranger school, that, um, the attrition rate, that's the rate people drop out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so the attrition rate goes down the longer you're in it. So, you know, by the time you're in the, the last phase, the attrition rate's like, super low, mm-hmm. but the very first one obviously is really high, so really if you just sort of, you just stick to it, you just are gritty and just don't give up, and even if you get recycled, you just recycle that phase again, you do it two, three, whatever the fuck you gotta well, do. Well, they say you, you just need a um, high school athlete level of athletic ability, or physical ability, and you could make it through any type of military training or induction process, even the SEALs. And that's come from Jack Carr, who wrote, um, The Devil's Hand. And, um, the... He just wrote a new book, too. Is that the newest one? That's the newest one, I think. I don't know. But he has a really cool series I need to read. Speaking of reading, because Taryn mentioned he was just partially into a book, one habit of reading, I... Did I get you into that, or...? Yeah, I think... I think so. I mean, I enjoyed reading, but I would really only do it when I'd fly. I would just be at the airport and on the airplane reading. So if I didn't just get a book that I could finish in, you know, two, three, four days, whatever, um, usually didn't finish them. Rainbow Six, I tried reading that. 
I stopped reading it years ago, but I used to read it when I'd fly when I was like stationed in Germany. Oh, so you fly a lot. I'd have, I'd have, yeah, I'd come back home once a year and have an eight-hour flight one way back, you know, eight hours one way. Um, so yeah, I read a shit ton of Rainbow Six, but I'm like ninety percent through with it, and I just haven't finished it, and it's been years five years six years since i read yeah see one habit of reading that i got tearing on to that i kind of picked up is rather than just sticking to one book i kind of just if i get bored with a book i just start a new book i've been wanting to read yeah and i mean just keep reading and i mean obviously don't do that out of control but just get like start with three or four or maybe two and move up to five or six and just have a few books that you're partially through and i mean you can just pick it up read it for five minutes and even just pick up a different book and i mean once you get used to it it's kind of cool how they the knowledge syncs up and you're kind of able to see connections through like completely different genres like that's what's been able to blow my mind yeah i might have mentioned it before too i guess i don't talk about a variety of things um but reading uh how to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan and uh, Chaos. Can't think of the author's name right now, but the book about Charles Manson, mm-hmm. which is basically how the government was using Charles Manson to make LSD look dangerous and stop the put the kibosh on the on the hippie movement and how they were <clears throat> like sabotaging the Black Panthers, like they were like infiltrating them and making them basically destroy themselves from the inside out. And they would set up, just like the uh, those Russian bots are doing these days, they would set up opposing view, like, rallies at the same spot on the same day. But, but this was, like, the CIA or the FBI doing this shit. <laughs> and, uh... And that was in the U.S., which is illegal. <laughs> yeah, the CIA is not allowed to... Op- but then there's, yeah, Operation Midnight Climax, that was the same, it was LSD-related. In, was, like, wasn't that in whorehouses? Yeah, they had, like, a one-way mirror, whatever it's called, and uh, they would have the prostitutes dose the Johns and then watch them, just watch them fuck while the one while the dudes on LSD. Dude yeah. LSD doesn't realize it. He's yeah. like, what the fuck? Am I dying? <laughs> Imagine if it was, like, a virgin. <laughs> Sex is amazing. <laughs> but He goes home and he's like, why isn't it happening again? <laughs> So yeah, those two books were, were syncing up because in the history of LSD um, and How to Change Your Mind, he talks about like uh, Timothy Leary and all of the, there's a whole maybe eight or ten like pioneers of psychedelic research and uh, Timothy Leary kind of fucked that up. Most of them are a little bitter about it, which is crazy because they all do a lot of psychedelics, so they're all like super forgiving and super like it <laughs> is what it is, man. But yeah, but they're like they're like all like still like he's a like, little, like I can feel my aura, and they're like whoa, bro, back up a tick. Well, he was doing he was doing like unethical studies at Harvard, and they they like, wasn't getting them approved, and he was like dosing kids with psilocybin. <laughs> just his students. Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to be using, like, graduate students, but he was using undergrad students, and he was taking, him and, uh, god damn it, what's the guy's name? He's a fucking guru now. Some, uh, Duncan Trussell. Rob Doss. Yeah, that's who, he used to be the, like, assistant with Timothy Leary. Um, doing these experiments that, yeah, nobody was approving, and they were just, like, getting, because, um, <clears throat> the company in 
Switzerland, where Albert Hoffman was working, <clears throat> to, to discover pharmaceutical uses for plants, and then they uh, synthesized ergot in 1938, and then in 1943 he accidentally spilled some on himself and had the first LSD trip. Um, damn it. What was ergot. Yeah. Ergot. Um, Ergot Wine. The that company. That, used psychedelics. Yeah, that company he was uh, working for, which just given shit ton of LSD to universities and pharmacies and shit like that, just because they wanted to know what the benefits of it were. <clears throat> so they were finding all these great things. It was helping with addiction and alcoholics and uh, like smoking, anything. Um, helping all kinds of shit. They loved it. Um, scientists were loving it. People were loving it. And then Timothy Leary, in the 60s, was just, yeah, like, throwing it at students and just, like, I don't know, taking shit tons of himself. Him and Ram Dass were just taking <laughs> shit ton like, every single day. Just a shit ton of my psilocybin. And doing all just these off-his-wall shit. Just mad, through all of his classes. <laughs> yeah. So then they, uh, yeah, they got fired from Harvard. And then it was a bad Became look on... Became gurus. It was a, yeah, it was, it was a bad look on psychedelics research and... And then they made it illegal, and then shut down all the research. So, yeah, all those all those researchers and scientists are like a little pissed off, a little pissed off, or a little resentful. But yeah, the Greeks and their ergot wine. Yeah. Um. What book is that? The Immortality Key. Not the key. I don't know. Something it's about immortality. Right? Yeah. But basically. <clears throat> The secret or the mysteries of Iolusis. I may be butchering that pronunciation, but in ancient Greece, people would travel from like all over the Greece, like empire region, to come to Iolusis, and there's like a seer there, and she would give you like a psychedelic psychedelic drink, and you would basically make peace with death. Yeah. And like that's where once you die, before you die, when you die, you're not really dead is that it that was really close I think it's if you die before you die when you die you won't die when you die you won't die I think that's it but basically embracing death through this intense psychedelic ritualistic experience you kind of come at life with a new look and so obviously the early catholic church really (laughs) cracked out on this (laughs) And the governors and things like that. And um, one of the senators who had undergone this ritual and had the psychedelics was like, no, like, you can't take this away because this is the fabric holding all the aspects of our culture together. All the different disparate aspects of culture, state, folk, art, like, all different things part and aspects of culture are blended and brought together into a whole with the mysteries, which that can mean many things. The runes, the word runes doesn't mean letters. It actually means mysteries. And so these deep hidden mysteries are things you find meditating. They're things that these spiritual leaders knew, but I mean, you some seek them with psychedelics And it's basically a search for wisdom in a way. Yeah, I mean, meditation, too. If you get deep enough into meditation, it can be borderline psychedelic, too. It's it's another 
way to not even have to take a substance and reach a different plane of thinking. Oh yeah, I was going to bring that up because during certain meditations I can reach pretty intense visualizations where it's almost on the verge if not surpassing a psychedelic experience just from doing the Wim Hof breathing method in meditation or my own variation of the Wim Hof breathing method. Well yeah, that's like meditation physically changes your brain. I can't remember which parts it is right now, but the part that's a bunch of different parts related to like on types of rational thinking and higher thinking that's I guess that'd be like your frontal cortex that the whatever I don't know some kind of bond between them it's, a basic it's way to explain it though. is it increases blood flow to certain parts of the brain and these these parts of the brain they're nourished by this excess blood flow and they grow stronger and bigger. And they've pr- shown with CAT scans that different aspects of the brain that are activated by meditation, by continued meditation, you grow those parts of the brain. And usually it's associated with really healthy, positive parts of the brain. Yeah, it like literally shrinks the part of your brain responsible for like fear and anxiety. Like yeah. It physically changes your brain. So meditation is, yeah, can be really powerful. And coupled, so we talked earlier, anything, if you think about it as a skill, anything can be practiced with repetition and grit and just thought and consciousness towards it. And visualization is just like that. And that's the thing is, during my breathing and my meditation, I can, as I've been practicing my visualization, it's to the point where it's a... on par with a hallucinogenic, like, psychedelic experience, but it's just a self-guided one, just straight from my visualization of my imagination. It's insane. <clears> oh, <throat> yeah, man. Yeah, that's something that was kind of surprising to me when I went to the, the hot yoga class that Billy told me about. Now I've been to two hot yoga classes. Um... I was pretty surprised at how good I was at positions I've had hadn't done before. Cause I only like I've been doing yoga every day, like I, probably ninety five percent of the days since last March, at least once a day, a lot of times twice a day, and I but I only do like a dozen poses or so. Like that's all I know is like really basic ones, and uh, doing these like new ones just. Uh, I don't know, the balance and stuff I had. I just feel like that was a skill that I've developed doing yoga every fucking day. Just, you know, better at balancing and better at yoga now. So even, like, doing new shit, I was impressed with myself. It was, oh, it was cool. It was a testament to that, to just repetition and doing and practice. Yeah, seriously. And you were talking that not only has improved your yoga skills, but your your balance and your ability like your reflexes to catch shit. Yeah, I swear it's gotten better in the last, I don't know, a couple months or so. I seem like I noticed fumbling something midair and just not dropping it. I don't know. I don't know if that's real or not, but it just feels like it's Maybe a placebo it. effect. Fuck it, man. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. When in doubt, placebo effect. Your brain is so freaking strong, it can make fucking changes to your body. 
and supposedly depending on what you believe in to your consciousness field can interact with the world around you outside of your body so i mean i'm not saying i fully wholeheartedly believe in that as much as like some people believe in god and jesus like i'm not saying i believe in it that hard but i'm like oh, that seems like it could be a possible thing i mean i don't know that's some like tesla shit but um hey we're gonna take a break to hear from our sponsor hopefully sponsors by the time you're listening to this <laughs> hey what's up we're back so taryn what were you gonna show or talk about? Um, the study that said that um, meditation would actually cause the hippocampus to grow. So the hippocampus, that's um, memory, learning. So usually adults' brains shrink and get slow, you know, like they lose mass, like all kinds of stuff, like your bones and shit. Um, but in experienced meditators, they actually had larger hippocampuses. Okay, you know what? That's a perfect um, caveat. Well, so how does the brain grow? Like, that's a weird question. And, like, so how does do our thoughts about certain things? Can thinking about certain things make the brain grow? Apparently, yes. So that's... That's weird. <laughs> but, um... You have the power to make your brain fucking better. You can just... With your if, own brain. If you just sit down for a few minutes every night and just be calm and focus on your breathing, your brain gets bigger and better. <laughs> and the parts... It's like working out your brain. You smarter grow. <laughs> yeah, the parts that are better for learning and control your anxiety and... And stress. <laughs> Yeah. Or you could just take a bunch of pills, uppers and downers, and whatever, coffees and alcohols. and Have some beers before you go Yeah, to bed. just take, take, take a couple beers before bed. Shotgun a beer, sip a few. Oh, man, it also, uh, I just read about this more in um, How to Change Your Mind. One of the most interesting studies in the last few years carried out at Yale found that mindfulness meditation decreases activity in the default mode network, the brain network responsible for mind wandering and self-referential thoughts. So this, apparently, according to that the book, is not universally accepted. It was discovered in 2001. Um, the DMN, the default mode network, basically like daydreaming. So there's two modes in your brain according to this. Uh, when you're thinking of something consciously, and when you're just kind of fucking staring off into the abyss, daydreaming, traveling through time, whatever. <clears throat> Those are the two modes. So that one, the daydreaming one, is default uh, default mode network. So this is saying that people who practice mindfulness meditation have less active like daydreaming, which I guess, I mean... It's, you can have more focused daydreaming, but I mean, practicing mindfulness, whenever you daydream during mindfulness or meditation, it's usually productive. I feel like I've heard somewhere in an interview that um, in meditation, 
think of yourself as like going through a building and when you get distracted you're just like opening up a door and like stepping into somewhere that like you just it's out of the off of the framework but you're like not you're not ready for what's on the other side of that door but you're gonna it's gonna be almost random but it's brought about by you traveling through this process of meditation so meditating brings you to places in your brain kind of that you wouldn't normally go or you haven't been normally going in your day-to-day, and it kind of, you confront things sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, as, as uh, talking more about things it does and meditating, uh, reducing anxiety, I mean, that was my big bugaboo. That's what I had to go to therapy about, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's definitely almost a non-factor at this point it's pretty amazing i can recognize when i'm feeling anxious and then try and recognize what's causing it and then just do some deep breaths because that's literally how you you reduce anxiety is literally just slowing down your your breath and your heart rate it's not you don't even have to do a mental thing you don't have to like it helps to do like grounding techniques but you can literally just do it physiologically. If you just take, like, inhale for six seconds, exhale for six seconds, just do a cycle of five or six of that. So you read James Nestor's Breath. <laughs> yes. I have yet to read it. It's on my shelf. I haven't even cracked it. I need to finish. See, that's my motivation because I want to read that book, so I'm not going to start reading it until I finish one of them that I'm already reading. So Literally doing the same thing. I ordered the Big Fat Surprise, I think it's called. Um, the lady was on uh, Michaela Peterson's podcast um, talking about how uh, in like the 50s there was a lot of heart attacks and so there was a lot of pressure to figure out what was going on with people and why they were all dying of heart attacks. So one guy threw out the theory that it was like cholesterol, like dietary cholesterol and like food, like proteins and like animal fat. So... They just took that and ran with it before they even, like, looked into it. And then, so everybody thought egg yolks were bad for you and bacon was bad for you. So everybody thinks, like, animal fat makes you fat, which is, it, it almost seems intuitive. Sugar makes you fat. Right, it's sugar. And they, the scientists were paid to lie about that. But, yeah, so there's all these crazy lies and scandals about yeah, making it seem like animal Like, what the fuck kind of yeah. sense does that make? People on the farm <laughs> eat fucking animal fat. I know that's my favorite part of the steak almost is the fatty parts. And I know my dad eats every scrap of the steak and his father before him <laughs> ate even more. <laughs> so I'm these people eat all this shit and they're healthy as fuck. Yeah. But it's, it's the sugar, man. Yeah, yeah, sugar is almost as bad for you as plastic, maybe worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no fucking way. Plastic's the worst. <laughs> Scourge of the earth. Oh, man. Yeah, that book was great. That book talked about all kinds of cool... Yo, but talk about, about breath. Breathing. Being conscious of that. That was a crazy thing, too. Yeah, literally, going back to feeling like a different person, I don't even breathe the same anymore. Yeah. Always always got to inhale through your nose. It uh, produces nitric oxide, and you get, I think it's like at least, I mean, it's at least 35%. It might be a bigger number than that. More oxygen. So even if you're getting less volume than if you took a breath through your mouth, it... The, percentage of oxygen in there is better because it's imbued with the nitric oxide isn't it more like um your body 
can absorb it more easily or something like that. It might be. I don't remember exactly it's the what mass, does, but essentially. <laughs> and that's and then not only that, but it warms and humidifies it. So there's a, your nose does. Well, yeah, yeah, if you inhale through your nose, there uh, it goes through um, like a cochlear thing, like in your ear, like a seashell, like a spiral. Or like if you see a European head mount of a deer or a bear or an animal, look at its nose and the really paper thin fine bones in there. The the nose is kind of shaped. The inside is shaped like a radiator with little thin layers of bone covered in tissue so to cool the body or humidify. Well, animals cool the body through there, but for yeah. us, it does all kinds of other shit. Yeah, like it warms like cold air like when you're outside in the winter and you breathe through your nose. It warms it before it gets to your lungs and it filters it. There's all these tiny little microscopic hairs up there. It's fucking... Uh, yeah, it's... And then... So, James Nestor, the author, and this other guy did this experiment where, um, for, I think it was ten days or two weeks, maybe, um, they did their nose breathing, like, they they had practiced it for, like, a year or something like that and gotten really good about nose breathing, and uh, James Nestor actually put a small piece of tape on his mouth when he slept just to gently keep his lips closed. To train himself to sleep, because I've been trying to do that, try to fall asleep with my mouth closed. And I've kind of just been able to do that without using the tape. Yeah, I mean, if you're, again, conscious of it, and, um, yeah, once you realize how bad mouth breathing is for you, it's so unappealing. But, um, yeah, so they so they studied their blood pressure, heart rate, all their, like, vitals and stuff, um, doing their nose breathing thing for whatever, 10, 14 days, and then they jammed these fucking silicone things up their nose so they couldn't breathe at all through their nose for whatever it was, 10, 14 days, and they were like miserable. They were like they couldn't sleep, Got and sick. they were yeah, they were getting like sinus infections and shit. It was fucking crazy because, um, yeah, like with like allergies or like sinus infections and stuff like that. If you're breathing through your nose more, it's like filtering more and it's moving stuff. It's like getting that shit out of there instead of just having bacteria clearing sit there. it out of your head. Yeah, it's like moving the bacteria, and yeah, so. It probably moves it, because think of a siphon with a, use an air to create a vacuum to move a liquid. In a lot of tools it does that, or sprayers. And think your body getting mucus and bacteria a certain place it needs to be in your body is probably moved along by you breathing the proper way through your nose. Yeah. Or at least in through the nose. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, like, super, it's so important for your life and the brain function and all, it's crazy. It detoxifies it the brain. It affects so much. We're actually um, seeing a myocologist, myocologist, I don't know, I think that's it, but it's like a facial muscle, like facial development specialist. Okay. And that's her biggest thing is breathing. Like, she's read breath. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we talk about James Nestor every time because <laughs> she does house visits. But um, basically, she just gives my son fancy chew toys so to chew on <laughs> to strengthen his mouth muscles so that... But, I mean, we have oh. a fucked up chew toys already, but yeah. she's just, like, the specialist, and those are the sponsored ones or whatever that she just <laughs> gives to everybody. Yeah. But, but, yeah, so basically just getting my son to chew on everything. <laughs> Develop his jaw muscles, oh, his little that, mouth breather. That was a, that's a crazy thing that's in the book too. Is so like people ha- didn't have crooked teeth like hundreds of years ago. People mm-hmm. like 
our ants... they chewed enough. Yeah, their mouths grew to be big enough to accommodate all their teeth and their wisdom teeth. That's why people now need their wisdom teeth pulled out and why their teeth are crooked and why people have so many, like, allergies and shit like that. It's because we're not strengthening our jaw muscles enough to <clears throat> grow our face big enough to <clears throat> breathe properly. People are like yeah, fucking Yeah, our nasal pose. canal is shrinking as <coughs> well as our jaw and our mouth. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, man. It's great. Yeah, so he went to uh, this... These, uh, fuck are they called in France, the underground, like, fucking with all the... Catacombs? Yeah, um, all the, all the skeletons. The crypts? And, uh, they went down there and just looked at, you know, skulls, a couple hundred year old skulls, yeah, skulls. and just was looking, and none of them had crooked teeth, none of them had, like, they were all just... Because, yeah, they used to chew more. They used to have to fucking... Yeah. Think about all the soft food you eat throughout the day, or think about how many... Mush. Shit you buy yeah. in a wrapper, almost everything you buy that comes in a wrapper yeah. is super... Well, squishy. one thing PMAC... Pat McNamara likes to say <laughs> is everything on the periphery of a grocery store is food and everything in the middle is a product. Wow. Yeah, so it's be just be conscious of what you're getting and making your food out of. That's that's a really good point. Yeah. So he's like, just circle the periphery, dive <laughs> through the aisles every once in a while. Yeah, Pmax the fucking shit. Yeah, and it's it's crazy out there trying to eat right because you hear so many fucking lies like the, about the fat and stuff. Like how many people are eating turkey bacon because they think regular bacon has too much fat and then that's gonna raise their cholesterol and high cholesterol is good for older <laughs> women, isn't it? Like yeah, that's been the problem too. Is yeah, it helps. Um, with the bone density somehow, and, you know, older women mm. are more prone to osteoporosis. And, like, with menopause and shit, I'm sure. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's something, it, it's actually better for, uh, women as they get older to, um... Have a high cholesterol. Yeah, to have a higher cholesterol. So, there's, it's actually hurting women, and they decided, they literally decided, when they were gonna put out the information, that that would be too confusing... So they're just, they just say cholesterol, high For cholesterol everybody. is bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're literally fucking harming women through their fucked up weird propaganda. Dumb messaging, because they're like, uh, they won't accept it as much, so we'll just say it for everybody. <clears throat> yeah, it's fucking insane. <clears throat> so yeah, how many people are out there <clears throat> thinking that they're eating healthy, and like, still not, you know? just Well, being... the biggest thing, in my opinion, because who the fuck am I? I'm a nobody. Whatever. My opinion is... Eliminating sugar, eliminating plastic, eliminating, trying to get shit that's been touched with the least amount of hands from where it was produced or whatever to you. So, like, I would love, like, out of convenience, unfortunately, I have to go to, like, the supermarkets and stuff, but we still try to get organic stuff, even though it's in plastic, whatever, what you gonna do? Everything's in fucking plastic. But, um, eventually, I want to link up with one of the organic farms in the area and do... like crop shares or something. Yeah, you should check out White Feather Farm. He's super close to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. I definitely need to. It's just one of those things where it's like with convenience right now, like we're stuck in our habits and we need a little bit more money before we do something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm fully committing to uh some part of a cow next year. I'm Hell just gonna, yeah. Because I I've been doing that with the pig the last two years. I think I'm I'm gonna buy even more because you should go meet the cow earlier in the season. 
That'd be interesting, yeah. Have a, have a, have a, have a, have a meditation session? Just, just meditate with that? <laughs> it stop, stops you to death. Killed <laughs> <laughs> by a big ass Angus. Oh man. Yeah, the <laughs> ride him. <laughs> I don't think I need to do that. I'll probably just feed him. How nice would yeah, that be? Yeah, there you go. Just give him some, you, some that food. would be good. Feed him some good give food. Him some like, grass. Give him, like, figure out what's. Get the nicest grass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely, I gotta buy a bigger portion of a pig next year, and then, yeah, I'm gonna buy beef, because it feels so weird buying it from a grocery store, and once you've had it, you know, organic, like, literally from, you know, 10 miles away, like, yeah. it's hard to... Huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, just need to bite the bow. One thing I've already brought up a bunch of times, the sprouts, so fucking glad I did that shit. Awesome. It's one baby step. Can't do a garden this year. I do not have the fucking time. Barely have enough time to do this. But sprouts, I can do. Starting small. Ten, you know, ten to the part of the garden you can reach. Hey, but um, speaking, that's a quote I heard from Duncan Trussell, but that's, who is that, Dalai Lama, Gandhi? I think it may be Gandhi. No, I think it was real early on. Let me see if I can look it up. I want to say it was like a but, Eastern... Um, this fits because I wanted to sh- shift back a little bit. We brushed on psychedelics. So last time I was looking up a word I couldn't think of on my phone. Oh, yeah. And Taryn was talking. So first I want to address Taryn mentioned, because I went back and listened to the podcast, Taryn mentioned that, like, a psychedelic experience is on par with, like, a life-changing event, like losing a loved one or having a child. And I can absolutely say, like, I mean, it's up there for sure, and each one is distinct in its own way. But, like, just like having a child is just, is a really significant event alongside losing a parent or a loved one, you know? Those things are really significant, and psychedelics is its own category of that, along with, like, spirituality and meditation, and, I mean, for some folks, religion. Because, I mean, we, I don't know, spirituality is just a really blanket term, but I feel like religion is a strict, indoctrinated, like, dogma, like, that you have to follow, and you're, like, reliant on the infrastructure they've created to, like, worship this whatever deity that's religion to me and I feel like spirituality is like your own personal link or connection with whatever being or power you want to commune with yeah just kind of another way you separate yourself from society like take it into your own hands like why why do you need a priest in fancy robes like I understand the importance of ritual but it's like people who go to church don't realize they're at a fucking magic ceremony you know yeah or a ritual mm-hmm. some people don't realize that and i mean they're talked at by these priests and some people it goes right over the head or some people have like a spectrum of interpretations there's this gentleman i work with that i had the pleasure of working with him today and we got in the combo and this dude's a preacher man and he is in numerology in the bible and he's cracked the code 
of the numera- numerology of the Bible of when the, the world will end. And um, I was basically just listening, just really, just trying to keep the combo going, just interested. I mean, I mean, I brought up numerology before in reference to the runes, and it was really interesting to see his, like, Christian, Christian equivalent to numerology that I've been thinking of. And he was basically talking about the Bible in a way that like how I would talk about the runes, like how beginning and end and how certain parts relate to certain parts within itself and like certain ones link up and are go together. He was talking in that way of like Bible passages and stuff. So it was really interesting. And then at one point we, um, he said something about, cause we agreed, he agreed about the people who just don't like understand really what they're, what they're believing in really. And, um, I was like, yeah, some people take it too literally, it needs to be understood, like, more metaphorically and symbolically, he's like, no, I believe in a complete literal interpretation of it, and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Jesus said, if you lay your hands on someone and can heal them, he's like, it says it right there. I can fucking lay my hands on someone and heal them. And he's like, cancer, AIDS, you name it. I was like, all right, man. Like, but like I said, I was just trying to keep the convo going. Because like what he was saying, I mean, who am I to say whatever he's saying is right or wrong? But at certain points during the convo, he was like brought to tears with such strong emotion. So, I mean, he definitely believes wholeheartedly everything. So, I mean, I'm sure something's happened, like things have happened in his life. And he's in deep spirit, like, his form of meditation, he was saying how he basically has a personal relationship with God, and he's like, God, tell me this, like, God, help me see this, and then, like, synchronicity happened, he'd see something happen in life, and it'd be like, oh, God, this is what you're trying to show me, like, thank you, and I mean, it's just real funny just to see the connections there, so, I mean, really, any religion has that, Yeah, I'm excited to read that Catholicism book I picked up when we went to Goodwill and bought. There's a whole series of them. There's Judaism, Buddhism, might have been Taoism, Catholicism, Christianity, and then like Protestant. And uh, I grabbed the Catholicism one first. So I wanted to. I wanted to get through that by like Easter or something. <laughs> I haven't even picked it <laughs> up. Sure I'm Easter. I, I, haven't even, cool. I haven't even picked it up yet. But. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Just sort of lays out what what they it's like a, objective. It's like this is what Catholics believe. Like this is they believe this because in this part of the Bible it says this. Ah, like so it's very like matter of factly. That's like, pretty interesting that it dissects it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so oh hey, I'm sorry to completely shift the combo, but I kind of want to because we're don't have too much time left. I'm going to kind of shift it back so I don't forget again. That word I was looking up. Sorry. Fractals. Fractals. Taryn, do you know what a fractal is? I'm sure I've seen them. Yeah, hold on. Let me, yeah, let me like bring this up. Like a kaleidoscope kind of shit, right? I'll bring up the definition from Wikipedia. In mathematics, a fractal is a subset of Euclidean space... Euclid, or Euclid, I don't know how to pronounce it, he's the guy who basically came up with, like, the general theory of math. So, like, Euclidean space, so, like, mathematical space, 
with a fractal dimension that strictly exceeds its topo topological dimension. Fractals appear the same at different scales. So, appear the same at different scales. So imagine something that's like infinitely branching and gets infinitely smaller and infinitely bigger. So like, okay. when you look at uh, <clears throat> a tree, it's like the big tree, the trunk branches into the branches, branches into twigs, branches into the leaves, which have veins that branch out. And it's like just a constantly repeating pattern. And if you zoom in, like the cells will be arranged in like the same pattern. And then if you zoom out, the trees in the forest will be arranged in like the same pattern. And so it's basically, oh, and it works for like minerals. So a lot of minerals, you depending on what scale you look at them, there's going to be the same patterns present any scale you look at. Like people, please just Google fractals. Or use DuckDuckGo, whatever the fuck search you want to use, but look at fractals, they're fucking amazing. But I wanted to bring that up because that's something that I was seeing during my um, shrooms trip that was just overpowering. Whereas in meditation, it's, it's something that it takes a lot to like muster up, but when I do it feels like strong and I can see it clearly. But I don't know, it's really weird that that's how our reality is built, and we can also, like, see in that way. Yeah. Or imagine in that way. I don't know. It's really weird. But I'm glad I remember to say <laughs> that word, because it's been bothering me all damn week. I thought of it Sunday. <laughs> So, oh, so we talked about breath a little bit. Wim Hof, the Wim Hof breathing method. We don't have a lot of time. But, but he has an app. He has an app. So, what, I just want to give my pitch about that. The app, there's a fucking rip-off app called Breathwork that's basically just ripping off Wim Hof by just having a guided breath. They're like... Here's the energized breath exercise. And they guide you with a dot on the screen to do the Wim Hof method. But that's like the brain dead version. But I mean, if you want that, go for it. Go for it. But like, <laughs> Wim Hof, it's the whole method, which includes the cold, which includes the breathing. Stretching. Which includes stretching, yoga shit, mm -hmm. cold showers, cold plunges, and different types of breathing. But... I've taken the Wim Hof and kind of shifted it my own way, but I learned there's a print-off, or not print-off, but just a, a wall of text that's just a few guided meditations that are just step-by-step -step written out. And so, I mean, talking through it, I was able to start my practice using that. So, I mean, just look up Wim Hof or the Reddit Iceman, uh, Becoming the Iceman, He's got is the Instagram Reddit too. and the Instagram, but find like the community and find just some materials on Wim Hof and just learn about that because it literally makes you into a fucking superhuman. <laughs> w I M H O F, Wim Hof. So, uh, what nationality is he? Dutch, Dutch Danish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a crazy accent. Yeah. I fucking love the guy. He's a guru. And it's it's all legit. You can look him up too. He broke a bunch of world records doing like cold stuff just he, to prove a point to kind of. He climbed Everest in fucking sandals and um, shorts. short shorts. 
and he, he takes people, he, he runs like a clinic where he teaches the breathing method and then they hike up Mount Everest in just shorts. And he ran, like he has, he ran a marathon in the barefoot, circle. barefoot in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. He's got the world record for longest swim under ice. In the, uh, like Antarctic and shit. Yeah. He's, it's all about cold water submerging, like cold water therapy. Or cold, cold water, yeah, yeah, cold, cold exposure. Um, setting off those, uh, uh, the fuck, cold water. Cold proteins. Cold shock. Cold shock. Cold proteins. shock. Throw, cold shock proteins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how you get heat shock proteins from saunas. It's like a sauna, but just the or other the extreme. But basically. If you keep your inner fire burning hot enough through breathing properly and through the right mental intention, that's why the breath work app is fucking bullshit because you need the mentality behind it. We, we think about how much we blab about the power of your fucking mind to control your body and control your own brain growth. So obviously that's important, your mindset and thought structure when you're coming into this. And so I have a fucking spiritual approach going with my breath work, and it's taken me some insane levels of meditation. Definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. The I mean, cold stuff you can ease into. And you can look into it, but, yeah, like the cold showers, you can just ease into it, and then eventually it's really, I don't know, rejuvenating, a energizing. daily ritual. Yeah, and just daily cold showers just to kind of, I don't know, fucking invigorate you. One thing that I've loved starting to do is so... Emir the Frost Giant was basically the first being in Germanic and Norse mythology in, like, creation, where Niflheim and Muspelheim, like, their substances met, created Emir the Frost Giant. And eventually, once Odin came around and killed him, and him and his brothers made the universe out of his corpse, water is his blood. And so I like to think that ice-cold water is just, like, imbued with the essence of the... <laughs> fucking first frost giant or ice giant and so i say a little mantra like blood of emir imbue me with might you know along with other stuff i don't share the whole mantra but it just gets me in the mood just thinking like this is fucking giant blood just or but before i've also imagined it as like um just like the essence of the earth you know just cold ass water from the deep I think that's a good spot to stop, because when we get Billy back next week, we can talk about our taking ice baths too soon after a workout, according to him. Oh, yeah, because Billy, he's specific about his ice bathing. It's true. But, yeah, I think that I think we can wrap it up there. And All right, some for sure. Food. Hey, uh, everybody check us out on Instagram, Moraine underscore Barbarians, and, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Hopefully, see you next time.